0: You are listening to the podcast of the White Church at the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. We're going to be in John chapter 1 as Aaron reads for us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Thanks, Aaron. The first thing I would like to do as we get underway this first Sunday in Advent is to pray and just to enter the season asking the Lord to lead us as we begin Advent. So let's bow together. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us here this morning and bringing us to another Advent. And Lord, we pray for those of us who are busy that you would slow these days down in ways that we cannot so we can better hear from you. For those of us, Lord, who are lonely, we ask for an awareness of your presence and a special fellowship with you this season. For those of us who are sad or sorrowful, Lord, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be our comforter. And for all of us, we ask that you would speak to us through your word, prepare our hearts to celebrate our Savior, and that we would be ready for his return. We ask for Jesus' sake and in his wonderful name, amen. Well, John chapter 1, my friends, this is our Advent text for the next four weeks. We're just going to move across these 18 opening verses. Advent is a Latin word that means arrival or coming because we don't speak Latin. We have to remind ourselves of that every year. And the Advent season is this stretch of four Sundays or four weeks that leads up to Christmas. Was it Lucy had it exactly right? And if you've ever counted down the days to something big like a birthday or a wedding or a trip, then you know that feeling of anticipation. And I'm wondering this morning, how many of you waited until after Thanksgiving to start listening to Christmas music? These are God's special people who are raising their hands. (laughs) I commend you. The Lord is pleased. (laughs) There's a battle in our house. But isn't it good that God has given us this season of waiting and preparing? You know, just like Mary carried Jesus in utero nine months, we need time to prepare. And we're going to do that this year in the first chapter of John. Now, if you've read in the Gospels before, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then you might know that John writes in a different style than the other three. He takes his time with fewer stories, But dives into them a little bit more and draws them out. He also features more extended dialogue, extended words from Jesus. And how he tells the Christmas story, as we just started it this morning, you can tell is very, very different. Our Advent passages in verses 1 to 18 are what is called the prologue in John. And maybe you've run into a prologue in a book before where the author says a few things before getting into chapter 1. And in this book, John wants to give us a preview of his whole gospel by telling what I think Marvel would call Jesus' origin story. This is who Jesus is and where he came from. Now, because John 1 in the prologue used such sweeping, almost poetic language, it can be a little more intimidating when we pick it up, or at least mysterious. How do we understand it? The funny thing about that is, John as a whole is a very understandable gospel. In fact, for anyone who is just getting to know Jesus, or just picking up the Bible to try to read it for the first time, I'll often recommend John's gospel as the place to start. It's a great introduction. But first we have this prologue as our starting point for Christmas. How do we understand it? Well, in the first five verses this morning, I want to emphasize three key words. They are word, life, and light. And I want to show you what they mean in Jesus. So let's look at our first two verses. We read it once. Now we're going to slow down and read it again, like with small kids at the table, slowly chewing your Thanksgiving turkey. And so we slow down and we read it again. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Now Mark starts his gospel, which John would have known, by the way, with these words. In the beginning, here is the good news about Jesus. And John starts in similar fashion, but wants to take us back to the very beginning of the story, and so you might recognize that John is echoing the first verse of the Bible, isn't he? As you look at those words. In the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God created the heavens and the earth. Last week I was reading an article with some of the latest findings from the James Webb Space Telescope. It's much stronger than the Hubble, and so what it's discovering is just mind-blowing, even for cosmologists. And the article I was reading talked about how they're now peering back at some of the earliest stars closer than ever to when the universe was formed. And what was interesting as I was reading this more scientific article is that across the board, everyone agrees that the universe, in fact, had a beginning. That something happened to form it to begin with. The question then is, who Or what formed it? Was it by chance? Was it by accident? Or did it happen by the command of God? Was it created? Well, as one writer put it, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. We know that the world works this way, that you don't get something out of nothing. Our science books tell us that. But to get something from nothing you need God, you need something, someone to create it. You need a first cause, as Thomas Aquinas put it. You need an unmoved mover, said Aristotle before him. And an atheistic cosmology, an understanding that has no existence of God, cannot account for the first cause, much less any design or purpose. But the biblical cosmology says, in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. And John begins his gospel by telling us who was there. Now, one of the things that makes this prologue somewhat mysterious is the use of the word WORD with a capital W. What does that actually mean? Well, in the original Greek, the word for word is logos. It's the noun related to the word lego, which is what some of us have on our Christmas shopping list. But this lego is unrelated to uh, the one from Denmark, and it means to speak. So logos means word, speech, or message. And it's divine revelation, which just means God communicating who he is. In the Old Testament, we hear so much about the word of the Lord, and so what John does is take the word logos, and he personifies it to refer to Christ. This is God revealing himself to us. Not just speaking it, not just in written word, but in a person. So in a sense, this is going to need some refining in just a moment. But you could look at these opening verses and you could read it like this. In the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. Jesus was with God in the beginning. Now it needs refining because technically... He wasn't called Jesus until we get to the incarnation, until we get to the first Christmas. When the angel told Mary, that's the first time we hear it, and you shall call his name Jesus. But all of this serves as a reminder that the Son of God was not born on Christmas. He became human at Christmas. He put on flesh. But the Son of God has always existed eternally with the Father and the Holy Spirit. Outside time, this stretches even our imaginations, outside time, before all creation, there was the triune God. And that's where John starts his Christmas story. He's saying the Son of God was there at the beginning. And all of this sets the stage for him to one day leave his heavenly throne, become one of us, born as a baby, so he could reveal the heart of the Father to us. So he could take on the penalty for sin and he could return us into right relationship with our Creator. But that's getting further along in the story. John is not quite done yet with the creation theme. So look at verse 3. For something that I know at least I tend to forget. And some of you who are watching The Chosen tonight at the theater, this is so important to keep in mind. It says, Through him all things were made. Without Him, nothing has been made that has been made. And the thing that we tend to forget is that all creation was created by whom? By the Son. By the Son of God. We tend to think of God the Father as creator, and that is true as the Apostles' Creed says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But the way you need to think of it is God the Father is like the architect and then God the Son carries out the work. He's the builder. And this is well attested in the Bible. Colossians 1 says, For in him, in Christ, all things were created. And Hebrews 1 says, But in these last days he's spoken to us by his Son. I'm going to read the rest of the verse, but do you hear it? That sounds like the Word, capital W, doesn't it? In these last days, he's spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The picture that you see there on the slide is a picture of what they call an earth rise. So we talk about sunrise and the moon rise. But when you're in space, and this is a lunar orbiter that captured this picture, It's the earth coming up over the surface of the moon. And Jesus, the Son of God, put it there. That's what astounds me. The earth and the moon in a Bethlehem kind of galaxy, in a backwater solar system, he placed the earth and the moon and he called forth life. When we remember this, that Christ did not just come as a baby, but he also came as the agent of all creation, I think it makes the incarnation all the more amazing. That's why the wind and the waves will obey him. That's why the rocks will cry out and the trees clap their hands. They're beholding their Creator. Commenting on Jesus' first miracle, the wedding at Cana, which is depicted so well in The Chosen, Alexander Pope writes, The conscious water saw its master and blushed. That beautiful. The conscious water saw its master and blushed. And now the James Webb is peering back at his earliest handiwork. Isn't it amazing that the creator of everything that exists? put on human likeness and walked the earth. Put on sandals, felt hunger, labored as a carpenter, died on a cross, and that he did it for you and me. What would prompt such a thing? Well, it's a word that comes up later in John, in John chapter 3. For God so loved the world. The protagonist in the book A Redbird Christmas is a sympathetic, lonely character named Oswald. And the description the author uses for him caught my attention. She said, From the beginning, he had always felt like a pair of white socks and brown shoes in a room full of tuxedos. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you couldn't measure up? You couldn't quite figure it out, or you couldn't quite fit in? I want to tell you this morning that Christmas flies in the face of that narrative and it calls it out as a lie. The word from God is that you are deeply loved and belong in relationship with Him. Do you believe that? Do you know that the same one who flung what they say are two trillion galaxies into place, says he knows the number of hairs on your head? I recognize for some of you that number is quite low. (laughs) (laughs) But seriously, the best gift you could ever receive on Christmas is to understand just a little bit more of how much God loves you the best thing you could get this year. Let's go to verse 4. In him was life, John continues. And that life was the light of all mankind. Remembering now that this is John's preview to the whole, life and light, these two words, are going to become dominant themes in the rest of his gospel. And so we remember just a couple examples of what Jesus will say later He'll say things like, "I came that they may have life and may have it abundantly." It says, "I am the resurrection and the life," also in John." Or let's pick up the other word. Jesus says, "I am the light of the world," as we sang this morning. And there's a hundred examples of this, life and light coming up in John's gospel. And they're not presented just as sentimental pictures warm feelings, nor are they presented as esoteric categories for the learned to ponder. No, these are the actual themes in the life and teaching of Jesus, and they help us to focus on the excellencies of the Word. Jesus, our life-giving light. This weekend, we as a family went to the Christmas tree farm and we got our tree. And when it comes to decorating a Christmas tree, you know, there are certain things that are up for debate or that will vary from household to household and tradition to tradition. So for instance, are you going to use tinsel? I don't know. Probably not many of us use tinsel on a tree. Are you going to hang little candy canes that will be there? We've had some years where we've done that and other years where we haven't. Or what are you going to put on the top of your Christmas tree? Do you have an angel or a star or maybe you have something else? But the one thing that I find people never debate is if the tree should have lights on it. That's just a given. Lights are what make a Christmas tree a Christmas tree. And so there it stands now in the corner of our living room, and there's something so warm and inviting about the glow of a Christmas tree. And other lights, other places as well, You remember the older half of the room, that old Motel 6 radio ad that went, I'm Tom Baudet, and we'll leave the lights on for you. It was iconic. Or how about the light of an isolette in the NICU, one of those incubators that keeps a preemie safe and warm? Or the light of an illuminated ice house ready to welcome the fisherman who's walked out to join a friend. Or the light of a crackling fire, whether it's a summer campsite or you're all cozied up on a winter evening inside. And it's no wonder that light is so special. It was one of the very first miracles of creation. The first recorded words of God in the Bible are the words, Let there be light. And in a sense, he said it again at Christmas. He sent Jesus and he said, Let there be light. Now let's bring in verse 5. It's our last one for today. And we're going to get introduced now to light's contrast. Verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Light and darkness now appearing together for the first time in John. Remember, as a preview. We already talked about the light of the world, but how about examples of darkness? Can you think of some of those? Nicodemus, he comes to visit Jesus under cover of darkness, doesn't he? Or the blind man in chapter 9 who is living in a world of darkness until Jesus heals him. Or Judas, the betrayer, and then he leaves the upper room. And what does the text say? It was night. So we remember that darkness and light are not just opposites, but darkness is the absence of light. That's why the darker it is, the brighter a single light will appear. So we can see more stars here where we live than you would in Minneapolis or St. Paul. But if you really want to see the night sky, you go up to northern Minnesota. That's where the stars are on full display. Now, when we think of light and dark in human terms, the Bible tells us that apart from the light of Jesus, people love darkness. And we're kidding ourselves if we would think that most people in the world are basically good, and, you know, if we could all just be a little bit nicer to each other, then we would fix a lot of these problems. That's called humanism, and it doesn't work. For 500 years we've been trying it. Since the Renaissance when humanism came of age. And yet the 20th century was the bloodiest century in human history. Instead of 500 years of moral progress, it was 500 years of moral ping pong. We're all over the place. Because when you elevate people... And you remove God, when you believe in people instead of God, then you haven't grappled with what the real problem is, and that is the condition of the human heart. Nor have you invited in the one who can fix it. And so, where are we headed now in the 21st century? What will this one hold? And I don't present this or ask that question to be pessimistic. It's just that sometimes we expect far too much from people. And the Bible tells us our only hope is God. Light in the darkness. And so I want to just ask you, as I've asked myself this week, is there somewhere in your life where you are just especially aware of darkness right now? And that can show up in so many ways. But is there somewhere where you you just have this heavy sense of darkness? Like it would be impossible to deny it, even if nobody else around you knows. It's almost overwhelming. Like Nicodemus, you think of him. He had it all together. He was well-esteemed, successful, and he was dying on the inside. Or how about the blind man, stuck in some physical condition, Maybe you find yourself there, a loved one, and just waiting for a ray of hope to break through. Or let's even consider Judas. He was a normal guy, but he became disillusioned, full of doubt, he was distracted by money, and Satan found a foothold to use him and destroy him. I'm wondering why you need to hear this passage today. We can just ask the Lord, can't we, to show us a simple prayer. Lord, what do you want to say to me today in your word? And as you contemplate that question, I want to close with this story. My grandfather, Harlan Dixon, lived with his wife, my grandma, on East Battle Lake in Todd County. And one night he went out to ice fish, as he often did in the evening after supper. And that night he walked out on the early ice, so there weren't cars out yet, uh, but he walked out from the shoreline, hauling his uh, little portable ice house behind him. And inside the house, uh, my grandma was cleaning up after supper, and, and after a while she, she looked out across the, the ice, across the lake, into the dark, and, and she noticed that my grandfather's flashlight was blinking, and she smiled to herself. Because this was their code, that he was catching lots of fish. <laughs> and it was a good bite. She kept about her work, tidying up. But a little while later, she looked out, and again she saw his flashlight blinking. And that's what caught her attention that it kept blinking like that. So she stepped out, opened the sliding door, stepped out on the deck. And now she could hear him hollering for help. He had fallen through the ice. So she ran and got the neighbor, Kenny, and they called 911. And my grandpa was eventually pulled from the ice after 45 minutes in the water. And they said that the only thing that saved his life was that he had to tread water because every time he would go to rest his arms or hold himself on the ice, it would give way again. And so he treaded water for 45 minutes and it kept his heart rate and his body temperature up. And I tell you that story because it was the light shining in the darkness that caught my grandma's attention. And I wonder if God is trying to catch your attention. Maybe for a long time now. And the question is this first Sunday in Advent, are you ready to pay attention? Are you ready to stop and look? Are you ready to go and inquire? Whatever you need, whatever you think you need, God has spoken. And the answer is Jesus. There is a word. There is life. There is light. And no matter how bad it gets, the darkness will not overcome it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I don't know if every heart in this room is ready to say these words yet. But together we acknowledge that it's you. It's you who we've been looking for and waiting for and yet running from. It's you who put the stars in their place and knit each one of us together in our mother's womb. And we praise you this first Sunday in Advent for being our creator and our savior and our friend. We thank you for calling us out of darkness and into your light. And today, Lord, we pray for listening ears that will hear your voice. To know what you would say to each one of us. We ask this in your name. Thanks for listening to the Y-Church podcast. For more information about the Y-Church, check us out online at theychurch.org.